0: What's up, everybody? It's the Power Rankings Podcast, aka the Power Rankings Show. I'm your host, Elliot Harrison, and I am pleased to be joined as always on this uh free flowing end of the week podcast at Marcus underscore Mosher. How are you, sir?
1: Doing well. Uh, it's We're getting close to the, uh, the dead zone of the NFL. Like the next six weeks, not a lot of news happening. So uh, I, I've taken on this project, Elliot, of watching some old cowboy games. I actually had our friend, Chad Ryder, reach out to me today. And he said, man, Elliot's really had this negative influence on you, hasn't he? I said, yeah, that's true.
0: <laughs> Elliot also had his mic uh, queued up the wrong way. So now I probably sound better. Um, well, so... I, did, did I start this by mentioning the the Bears opener where Dion had to play wide receiver in '96?
1: It, it piqued my curiosity. So what happened is on Monday I went and looked at all of Dion's receiving games on Pro Football Reference and went to the games where he got the most targets, and that was actually the one he had 15 targets in that Bears game.
0: Yeah. The, I remember that game vividly and you and i talked about 1996 a little bit, and I thought it was an interesting topic for the pod because so many of our listeners, I think are around your age. Um, some are a little younger, but for 1996 for, I think for a lot of our listeners was either too young for them to be watching football or maybe not even quite born yet. Um, or if you're one of our older listeners, 96 is kind of like when you really were getting into football. It, it reminds you of a lot of great things. I think it's a great line of demarcation because there's been 25 seasons since then. And I was kind of curious now that you've, how many Cowboys games from 96 have you put your eyes on? Uh, four
1: total ones now. Which games? So I watched the, the Bears, the Giants, the Colts, and now I've, I just finished up the Dolphins game this morning.
0: Bears, Giants, Colts, and Dolphins. Um, golly, I'm thinking here. 96 Colts. That was at home, right? Uh, at yes. Texas Stadium. Yes. Man, I do yes. not remember much about that game. I'm.
1: I'm they they but, lost that game um, at the end. Yes. The Colts kicked a field goal.
0: Yes, and they went crazy with Jim Harbaugh. Now I do mm-hmm. remember that game. That was early in the year, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. um it was week three I've been trying to watch them yeah. in order but I had a little project that I was working on for today's show so I had to skip around
0: yeah the Bears game was at uh Soldier Field on Monday night the Giants game I think was week two at home that year right and then Miami was on the road um if memory serves I watched I lived in Dallas at the time I watched all those games but this isn't just about the Cowboys really it's about just watching the NFL in 1996, through the eyes of someone who's kind of grown up and started covering football in this era, we wanted to discuss kind of what some of the differences are. I don't mean like just broadcasting and stuff, but literally tactically, schematically, how the players are different. And I think this is a good time to do it. It's June and this is something that doesn't get talked about enough because what you end up seeing when you watch games, Marcus is like them comparing, you know, Troy Aikman's and Dak Prescott's numbers and things like that and it can drive you a little crazy if you know about the game from that from that era. And the cool thing is these games are on YouTube, right? You're watching these on but YouTube.
1: Every one of these games uh, from that season is on YouTube. Not just the Cowboys games, but all the games from the 96 season.
0: Hey, man, I, you know, like sometimes when I clean house, I would put like a game from the late 70s or early 80s on when I was not old enough to really know anything. Or, you know, I have some games from when I was, you know, not even born yet. And I like putting them on because you don't have to sit and watch the whole thing. But while you're cleaning, you can kind of listen and then you could go sit and take a break and watch it. And I would learn a lot about older players and, Instead of just relying on the cliche stuff that we hear right now. And so many of these guys that played in 96 are like the analysts that are on TV now. So what's your first like overarching takeaway from watching four games from 25 seasons ago?
1: Yeah. So first of all, I should talk about this first game against the Bears where Michael Irvin was suspended. uh, And the Cowboys starting offense in that game was Dion at receiver, Evan Smith, Herschel Walker at running back, both of them on the field, a majority of the time and Daryl Johnston. So I was thinking it, then you had Troy Aikman under center. So you had the Monday night football analyst. You had a Georgia Senator candidate, right? You had Emmett Smith. You had the the, the XFL uh, president in Daryl Johnston. And then you've got Dion, the Jackson state head coach. Kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> those guys have had some weird careers off the field, but
0: oh uh, yeah. And I, also how well known all those guys were. I mean, Herschel Walker, one of the three best USFL players,
1: certainly uh, Moose
0: Johnston, one of the best pure fullbacks ever. Emmett Smith, the all time leading rusher, uh, Dion Sanders, one of the greatest all around players in history and then Troy Aikman. And so let's kind of start there because, you know, the passing game was so much different in 96 mm. through my eyes, but I'm looking at it as someone who watched a ton of football back then and was, you know, I I knew what I was watching. I had played football and I, you know, uh, I went to college in the 90s. And so it was a little different for me. What what for you stuck out about that? I mean, did you first
1: of all, do you feel like
0: Troy Aikman's a little underrated?
1: <laughs> Troy Aikman was has been really good in the games I watched. Um, all the quarterbacks, the skill level is very similar to what you'd see in today's NFL and granted I, I watched Marino I watched Harbaugh I watched Drake so I, I've been watching some pretty good quarterbacks right the 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 difference is everything just seemed a little clunkier to me That that's the only thing
0: when you say clunkier so do you feel like Clunkier in terms of it wasn't smooth like schematically players freelanced more or the way the game was actually called like officiating.
1: No, I I think it's more like precision and I I guess I would say that for all positions. For example, Dion's playing receiver for the Cowboys. And I know that's not his natural position, but you watch the like the routes that he runs and they're kind of sloppy. They're rounded. He's not really sinking his hips, but they're still effective because he's a fantastic athlete. Um, it, it's just, yeah, I, the, the word that I kept coming back to is precision. It, it just wasn't quite as clean and as smooth as what we see in today's NFL.
0: This is something I think is really, and again, this is not about the Cowboys. It just happened to be that that's who Marcus watched. But to take it off of them, someone like Tom Brady is really remarkable to me because Tom Brady was in college. In 1996. And yeah, and he was at Michigan. I didn't Tom Brady was in college five years, right? Didn't he? Right. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. So he's a guy that's come up through all of this as the passing game has changed. So just to go through that one little area of the game, I think, and obviously I'm stereotyping here. Okay. But football was much more of a one-on-one kind of game back then, where you tried to isolate your guy versus their guy and win that matchup. And even through the 2000s, you know, we talked about that a lot in the, in this business, you know, you get TO matched up on D'Angelo Hall, uh, you know, and, and can we get the ball to him now football feels so much more about scheme. And you do try to scheme guys open, but you, we talk about guys, whether or not they're a scheme guy or not, you would have never heard the phrase scheme guy" in any yep. of the broadcasts you watched. Did anyone talk about no, scheme no. at all?
1: No, no. We, we should talk about, because I was, we're talking about the passing games about the defense, because that to me is what stood out more. Because I, I think if you can you squint your eyes a little bit, the offense doesn't look all that different, right? There's there's more quarterbacks taking snaps under center. More pro sets. Yeah, more two, pro two sets. Backs. But yeah. we still see that stuff from time to time in the NFL. To me, it's defense. Defense looks completely different in 96 than what we've seen over the last few years. Um, And I, and I can talk about it. Let's talk about the, the, the corners first. The amount of cushion that corners give receivers, at least in the, in the 90s, was unbelievable. Like I was watching... Um, Felipe Sparks and I think it was Terrell Buckley. They, they were giving Dion like 10 to 15 yards of cushion against like a not very good route runner. But the reason why is, and you can explain is they played far more true man to man coverage than what we see in today's NFL.
0: Yeah. So let me just get something right out of the way though, for our listeners real quick. And I'm going to, I'm going to bounce right back to what you just asked me on, but I just want to get it out of the way. Sometimes when you talk about "quote unquote old football" and I don't know if you consider do you consider 96 old football or no, no. okay but sometimes when you talk about football in past years people automatically go to well the athletes weren't as good and guys today blah blah let me tell you in 1996 those players were every bit as big and fast as strong as the guys sure. today in fact i would argue they were bigger in some instances in 96 most oh, of your especially defense, on defense. Yeah, yeah, your defensive linemen and linebackers, bigger. Um, guys were running four threes in 1996. I can guarantee you that. I mean, Dion ran, I think, a four. Golly, yeah, was it a four two? Four two, two? Something yeah, like that. Yeah, uh, the Cowboys had a guy that washed out of the NFL by 96 named Alexander Wright, who was rumored to have run a 409. So, uh, <laughs> you know. Trust me. So it wasn't the giving Dion the cushion though, was because Dion's football speed was so ridiculous that teams were not only worried about that, but also Marcus, you didn't have all the short bubble screen stuff. How many bubble screens did you see in the four games that you watched? (laughs) Zero. (laughs) Zero. And so somewhere in the early two thousands, I think Brett Favre and the Packers were the first ones to really start doing this. You had a front side run. And that backside receiver would always be wide open because the corner was off of them. So they'd start, you know, basically having it as an option play. And the quarterback would see how the defense was lining up and essentially faking that front side run to the right, let's say, and throwing it backside to the left to a receiver who the corner is 10 yards off. So you're getting an instant, you know, mm-hmm. five, seven yards. What if the corner misses a tackle, right? Uh, even worse. You didn't have those kind of uh, straight down the line of scrimmage throws back then. And then the other part of what you asked, corners back then, their natural state was not in a zone defense. It was right around the mid-90s where zone became the predominant way that secondaries played. Tony Dungy took the job in Tampa Bay in 96, the year you're watching. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, the cover two became huge under Dungy, although it had already been used that's when it became kind of a, a name brand kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, photocopying was around before Xerox. Okay. Um, so what I mean by zone is not where these corners lived. guys that played in the early nineties at corner. Okay. Like, um, Troy Vincent or, um, uh, you know, just Felipe sparks or, or Daryl mm-hmm. green or Dale Carter, uh, Albert Lewis. I'm just naming a few guys, Eric Allen, um, you guys have probably heard of a lot of these players, um, Tim, Mc- Tim, McCire, all these guys, they grew up in high school and college playing man. And when they got to the NFL, the NFL played a ton of man. So zone defense was not as, um, I would say is you caught, would you call it precision? It wasn't as yes. precise then. Yep. And they hadn't figured out yet what was the appropriate, um, range between receiver and corner and things like that. And you weren't worried about the bubble screen to Julio Jones. You know, you right. just weren't worried about that. You were worried about Julio Jones going behind you, even though Julio wasn't playing then.
1: Yeah, Although the way uh, he
0: looked in Tennessee this year, I thought he might've been playing. <laughs> Sorry. We're going to
1: have another conversation about Randy Moss versus Julio Jones in Tennessee.
0: Oh gosh. No,
1: yeah. uh, no the, the other thing that really stood out to me, was the defensive line um in the pass rush. Now it, it just was very uncontrolled, right? Like you watch an NFL game now, like and I was watching one yesterday, and all four pass rushers or sometimes five pass rushers are working in tandem, right? They're mm-hmm. they're working together to make sure that they've got all the gaps contained mm-hmm. so that a quarterback can't step up and that they yes. can kind of contain a certain quarterback inside the pocket or force them to one side. You don't really see that in the 90s. It was a lot of, hey, just go beat your man in front of you. And if you need to go way out wide to do that, you do it. If you need to go in this gap, you do it. And what you see is a lot of guys kind of falling over each other. You see a lot of big scrums right in the middle of the field that was like six guys all piled up. It's one thing that we... we I, I, and I you can tell me, when did this really start to change where we saw a pass rush unit actually start to work together as a unit compared to everybody just being one-on-one by themselves?
0: Well, I think they're. I think really what you're talking about is gap integrity, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, Randall Cunningham and then Steve McNair, and I'm not just naming black quarterbacks because, you know, Warren Moon was black and Warren Moon wasn't running to save his life, nor was Doug Williams. There just weren't, uh, you know, Steve Young ran a lot, but Steve Young, Typically typically went outside, but Steve Young relied on his arm so much, even though Steve Young could have run for a thousand yards. No, no joke, easily. Mm. But Cunningham and Mc McNab, uh, not McNabb, I'm sorry, Steve McNair, I think really helped to change that because teams figured out when we play these guys, they're taking off and running sometimes right up the A gap, man. You know, like when there's you know, when the, the rush wouldn't get there. So they started you that's when you started hearing the term spy. Okay, well, spying wasn't always going to do it because what if your spy wasn't as good an athlete, you know, and in Steve McNair's case, your spy might get run over. Steve McNair was a big boy, and if he yep. didn't make that tackle, you're done. And so uh, by having a coordinated pass rush, you also allow for the, cop, the pocket to collapse without there being necessarily uh, always having lanes for the QBs to run through. The other thing is guys really freelanced with like stunts back then so you know a defensive tackle just look at a defensive end and say hey uh let's let's you know twist on this or let's you mm-hmm. know on this play i think a lot more of that stuff is comes from the coordinator now uh, although i really would love to talk to some defensive linemen about that but again i want to go back to the overarching theme and use it as a jumping off point into what you're asking me specifically which is I think pro football in 96 was much more of a one-on-one game than it is now. Yes. And defensive linemen beating an offensive lineman one-on-one was what you did. That's how you got a pass rush. My guy's better than your guy. Sure, we're going to do some scheme things. But did you notice that when all the teams that you were playing, the defensive linemen, what were they doing pre-snap?
1: Did you notice? No, fill me in.
0: Kneeling already. Yeah. No, not kneeling for the national anthem. Whoever's out there going, they were kneeling. No, uh, they're kneeling, you know, waiting for, <clears throat> but they're pretty much standing in a row. Just all four of them hands on their hips. Okay. Now the center puts his hand on his ball on the ball. They get down. Okay. What, what started happening in the, the odds in 2010 pre-snap defensive lineman, some were standing, some were kind of yeah. kneeling down. You didn't know who was dropping. You didn't know who was coming, right? That Did you see any defensive lineman drop no. in the games that you watched?
1: Uh, well, that's not true. I did, see, I did see Leon Lett drop one time on a throw that Dan Marino had when he put it on the money, but that was the only play that I saw where somebody dropped it all. Where I actually noticed this more, was like the the gap integrity. It, it was in the run game because yes. you would watch the Cowboys would run a lead draw a lot with Emmett Smith, right? Yep. And there would be huge, huge holes where the defensive end was supposed to be at, but he was lined up basically over the center at that point because he thought he could crash in and get you know get some pressure that way. You really noticed it in the run game.
0: Yeah, uh, agreed. And that's something that. I remember Derek Brooks talking about with when Adrian Peterson came into the league, is with this guy, we've got to have gap integrity. And one of the things they figured out, because the 90s were very much dominated by great running backs. I mean, uh, Barry Sanders, Emmitt Smith, Terrell Davis, huge years. Uh, Jamal Anderson for the Falcons in 98, massive year. Barry Foster, had a massive year in 92 with the Steelers. Uh, Jerome Bettis with the Steelers big time running back seasons. Thurman Thomas, I think led the NFL and yards from scrimmage four years in a row. I can't imagine somebody by the way, doing that today. Could you imagine one running back leading the NFL and scrimmage yards four years in a row? No, I, we, I don't we think saw what happened happen. to
1: Christian McCaffrey when he did it two years in a row. Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, if you want a guy from the nineties, that's underrated, even though he's in the hall of fame, Thurman Thomas, uh, so I think they've kind of figured out that by having gap integrity, by having lane integrity, if you will, they were better off against mobile quarterbacks and uh, against these big-time running backs. And, I mean, I think Barry Sanders is a case in point because they were basically running stretch play to the left, stretch play to the right, and Barry yep. Sanders would just pick an opening. He had no fullback in front of him to get nope. in his way. You know, uh, you better have that gap covered
1: uh yeah um other than that that's that's basically it i think i think the late 90s really resembles i I mean not super close but it's very similar to what we see now in the nfl like it doesn't feel so different now when i watch a game from like the late 80s early 80s we're pretty much like the nfl now but like late 80s early early 90s that looks quite a bit different but these games I mean, Troy Aikman had a 338-yard game where he was throwing dimes all over the field. He was getting rid of the ball quick. It, it didn't look all that different from what we see now in the NFL.
0: Yeah, so if we go back to the 96 Cowboys specifically, um, you know, you're not watching that team on all cylinders. They were limping home in 96. They would won three out of four Super Bowls, and their offensive line was old. Uh Jay Novacek had to miss the whole season unexpectedly. Charles Haley missed almost the entire season. I think he played in that Miami game that you watched. He, he did. He yeah. looked li- gas though. Yeah. Tony Tolbert was actually really good for the Cowboys that year. He's fantastic. But um, if you watch that Cowboys offense, it was anemic at times in 96. But one other thing you might pick up is it was just harder to play quarterback in that era. Uh, even even as recent as that is, those quarterbacks took big-time hits, oh, big-time yeah. hits, and there's no uh, protection for them. The other thing is, notice the additional pads guys were wearing. Guys were wearing oh, thigh pads. They looked, pads. Huge. They looked yeah. huge. Yeah, hip pads, shoulder pads. So the game, even though the players were as fast and probably bigger than today, they weren't as fast on the field because – You know, look, if you're wearing a bunch of pads, you're just the game's not going to move as quickly. And then the other thing is, you know, it's kind of like baseball. I know you're not a big baseball guy, but if you get, you know, or fine. Well, I know you are an NBA guy. Mm -hmm. If you get to keep going to the line, you're generally going to be a better free throw shooter than if you're just occasionally fouled and you you, you shoot free throws. I look at that like the passing game in the NFL. They ran the ball still so much in the mid-90s you weren't seeing a lot of plays. I bet you didn't watch a single game where either quarterback threw the ball, say seven plays in a row.
1: You oh see yeah. That, that never happened
0: all yeah. the time now. And that's good for the quarterback. It keeps them hot. All these bubble screens that you see Marcus now and, and, and I call them none yard outs. Those are also designed just to get your quarterback in the flow of the game and get him confident with a couple of completions your first throw of the game in 1996 might be a post pattern 20 yards down the field trying to get it between the corner and the safety mm-hmm. you know it's a tough way to start a game cold
1: there, there was a stretch where Aikman threw like four or five straight passes and it's like whoa opening up the offense a little bit but no it just didn't it didn't happen very often unless unless you were at the end of a, a half or something that was the only time you saw that. When
0: when you watch this game, did you feel, are these games, do you feel like the NFL was more enjoyable then, more enjoyable now, or kind of a mix mash of where you Frankenstein the two? It,
1: it's, it's tough because I know my nostalgia is playing a part of it into this as well, and, and I got to kind of remove that. Plus, I mean, two of the games I've watched, uh, well, the one game I watched had Pat Summerall and John Madden the other one had Al Michaels doing it, the, the Bears game. Uh, and the other, the Giants game, that was that was uh, Madden and Summerall. So you, when you get them in there, it just makes it feel really big and important. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know if I can uh, accurately answer it.
0: Well, you know, I think what's better now, since I'm typically more biased towards the older stuff, I think what's better now is uh, you talked about the precision. Uh, the quarterback play is better now. Um, you're a little more surprised when guys miss easy throws now, yeah. I think. Um, and obviously the coverage now we've get so many different angles and the players are really good athletes and it's, it's, um, it's pretty clean. The game is pretty clean. It's also safer. Uh, the game was not safe as safe back then. Uh, one of the real disadvantages though, I feel like. Uh, they have now versus 96, even though 96 wasn't that long ago is like, take the Monday night game. You watched the bears Cowboys. Mm -hmm. Didn't that just feel big? Like, Hey, it's Monday night football to open the season. Did you watch the whole intro and everything? I did.
1: Now it could be partly because, you know, the Cowboys were coming off the super bowl win and it's Dave wants coaching the bears. And it's, it's, it's the first game after they've won the super bowl. So I, my guess is you'd have the similar feelings to like Cowboys Bucks last year when the Bucks, you know, after the Bucks won their Super Bowl. So I don't know. I, 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 again, I, I know my nostalgia is playing a little bit part of this and why I think these games are maybe bigger than what they were. But it, it felt like a big moment, right? Yeah,
0: we we talked a little bit on the phone when you after you were trying to sell me on a terrible quarterback opinion you have. About how uh, this was not the terrible quarterback opinion. I'll let Marcus share that. But uh, you weren't that impressed with Dan Marino um, in the Dallas. Well, not in that
1: game, not yeah.
0: to be fair. <laughs> yeah. And so in 96, he was not good. Uh, that's when Jimmy Johnson took over the Miami Dolphins. They wanted to go to a ball control, defensive minded game. That's what Jimmy won with. And he thought that quarterback, you know, having a quarterback who could make plays when you needed him to make plays would help them win. And it just didn't gel that first year at all. They went eight and eight. They had a running back named uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, it was their running back, and he had changed his name. Um, But uh, they they started drafting defensive players. Zach Thomas, actually, if you want to make this uh, really relevant, that year in camp, Miami you know Jimmy liked to have a veteran middle linebacker if possible he had had Jack Del Rio in Dallas uh, his first few years and Jack Del Rio went to camp and was expected to be the Dolphins starter and this rookie out of Texas Tech just kept out playing him and Jimmy had to sit down with Jack Del Rio and be like look man we've got to go with the younger guy and Del Rio ended his career and went into coaching um, to keep that uh, in the news cycle (laughs) but uh, Zach Thomas was that guy but They also, in in subsequent years, like the next two years, they got Sam Madison uh, at corner, really good corner. Uh, They got uh, Jason Taylor at defensive end, really, really good player. They had a guy named Tim Bowens who was a nose tackle. Um, Doggone it. Who was the other corner that Miami had in the early 2000s? Um, Oh, I think his kids in the NFL. Oh, my gosh. Oh, uh, Patrick Sertan. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, Miami really kind of shifted. What's interesting also is just kind of going back to that Dan Marino was used to throwing the ball and getting to throw whenever he wanted to. I think it makes it a lot easier for these quarterbacks today to be able to throw the ball as much as they are and get into a rhythm. You don't hear a lot about rhythm when you watch a game from 1996.
1: No, you don't. And actually there was a play in this game as a third and three. Um, and uh, Dan Marino threw it at a shotgun and John Madden even commented. He commented on and said, hey, uh, Jimmy Johnson, he doesn't like the shotgun. But when Marino goes in there, he's, he's very comfortable. And this is his call uh, because they don't have any shotgun plays in the books or in the playbook, basically. And marino took a three-step drop and just delivered like a 46 yard strike in the middle of the field it was an incredible throw dude Uh, yeah (laughs) go ahead it was incredible uh the other thing i was gonna mention if you happen to go watch that game on youtube so this is like zach thomas's i don't know seventh eighth game in the nfl around there right yeah and john madden is like absolutely in love and he's circling him on the telestrator and he's saying listen I know he's not very tall I know he's not very big and not very fast but all this guy does is make tackles and I think he's gonna play a long long time in the NFL it's it's kind of cool to watch Madden predict some of this stuff and talk about players when you know how their career ends up it was it was a very cool moment
0: yeah that sounds like him you know, John Madden always watched the guard, the guards in the center, and that's how he ID to play as a broadcaster. That's how he knew, you know, he just started with the center and the guards. And so it'd be natural that he would also be watching the inside backer. Um, you know, the thing with, with all of that, uh, that, that kind of, um, that era and the way teams played. I want to go back to Troy Aikman a little bit because Troy Aikman was in a ball control offense where he didn't really get to air it out. He has been called overrated on Twitter. I don't know how many times people think that he's not one of the best quarterbacks. This wasn't even a good year that he had. The 96 Cowboys offense was not good. He has a converted defensive back playing wide receiver, and Deion was playing both ways, we might add. It's not like they... Like when Troy Brown did it, they 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 kind of relieved Troy Brown of playing wide receiver a little bit. Um, he's also th- throwing the ball to Calvin Martin out there, uh, who really wasn't a great starter. He was a really good third receiver. And he didn't have a starting tight end either. So knowing all that, you saw Eichmann play four games. What's your assessment of him? Is he overrated? Are, are people totally wrong about him?
1: Would you take him over, Dak? Oh, stop it. Uh it was, he was, he was great in the games I've seen. Now the bears game, he didn't play particularly well, but their offensive line just got beat up in that game. They looked really, really old and they were, I mean, Mark two was kind of on his last legs. Their center was, I think it was Ray Donaldson, 39 yeah. years old at the, yep. at that point in time, Eric Williams, this was what? Two years after the car accident. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, they, they just didn't play well, but, when Aikman was protected and you saw a lot in the Miami game and certainly in the giants game in week two, he could put the ball wherever he wanted and wherever he wanted wherever he wanted. So it was, it was a lot of fun and actually man, the, the quarterback that he reminded me the most that's currently playing in the NFL little, little Joe Burrow, like at least in my opinion, yeah. Now, I can he's see got a, that he's got a much bigger arm than, than Burrow has, but kind of that where if you can protect him, he's, he can, put it wherever he wants.
0: Yeah. The the quarterback that's reminded me the most of Troy Aikman since Troy is Carson Palmer in their Mm -hmm. setup, their tight delivery right behind the ear. Uh, great release. Um, you know, I was on a podcast at the NFL where Nate Newton was a guest. And I asked Nate about the fact that, you know, they weren't able to win anymore after those three out of four and. You know, I mentioned Novacek not being able to play that year. And I mentioned uh, Charles Haley barely being able to play. And he looked at me, goes, bro, we just got old. We hmm. got old. And that's what it was. It wasn't Jimmy leaving. It wasn't it. We just got old. Maybe they would have won in 94 if Jimmy had stayed. So maybe they would have won four in a row. But you just mentioned the offensive line. Uh Mark A was in his 14th year. Uh, Ray Donaldson was in his 17th year. You mentioned Eric Williams, the Cox and Nate Newton was in the USFL in 1985. So, I mean, yeah, the only young player was Larry Allen, who literally could demolish anybody in 1996. You did not want to line up in front of a prime Larry Allen. Um, But did you notice just I I know we talked about this a little bit, but are you let me rephrase this question Do you think people realize how big players were in the 90s?
1: It's hard because the the pads are so different than than they are now. Like you watch players now, and a lot of guys don't even look like they're wearing shoulder pads out there, right? They're wearing the the smallest pads that you can. Back in the 90s, they're wearing the biggest pads possible. So I, I don't know if it makes them look bigger than what they were, but the Cowboys' offensive line was huge then.
0: Wasn't ninety-six, I think ninety-six is the year that they changed jerseys makers. It was either Nike to Reebok or I can't remember who well, made Well,
1: ninety-five or sorry, ninety-four is where they had the best jerseys of all time with big stars on the side. Okay.
0: Oh. But I mean, every team's jerseys. There was a different Ni- look in 96. Ni- I think it to, was 95. Okay. The sideline gear in the mid 90s was really horrible. I mean, really you didn't like horrible. those
1: jackets, those, those starter jackets.
0: I like the starter jackets from like the late '80s and early '90s. But didn't we start getting into Zubas and like the, the? Didn't they have like those weird hats that had like multiple colors There's, on?
1: I, what about the one that had like the string on top? You remember those ones? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh boy. And you only was, see
1: people at the beach wear those ones.
0: Yeah. And if it was a afternoon game, a lot of Oakleys with the string around the back.
1: Oh, yeah. Know? The yeah. big Oakleys, too. Oh, it's yeah. so good. The, yeah. listen, I will say the aesthetics of watching 1996 football are just on point. Like, it's just so cool how everything looks. And even like the Fox graphics that they were showing are so clean. They look Pretty so Pretty clean. Nice.
0: Don't you miss that a little bit? Now, they've gotten better. Fox went to starting with the the 49ers Chiefs Super Bowl. You know how they went to the um the little lower third middle box. I like that.
1: Well, because it's you less know what's intrusive. funny is in some of these games, so like the the Monday Night game against the Bears, uh there's no score box on the screen like during the game at all. No. So I was I was looking for certain plays and it's really hard to find place because you don't know the score or the time of the game now fox had it on almost all the time i believe yeah. all the time they, they had it in the top left top hand left, side that yeah. little box was uh, it the
0: was it the transparent one or was it the the kind of the silver one it was
1: like a silverish gray kind of thing yeah. up at the top left now yeah. what fox did we've actually talked about this in the podcast before but they wouldn't use just the standard camera angle to show a game like when they got in the red zone you got to see the end zone camera. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, not all the time, but pretty frequently. So Troy Aikman threw a touchdown to to Dion on a fade, and you got to see it from the end zone camp live. It, I mean, I wouldn't want to have that there in the whole game, but it was kind of cool. It's like, oh, they're doing something different, and I, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I
0: loved – I mean, my favorite play, one of my favorite broadcast plays ever is one that you put out on Twitter – the 94 throw to alvin harper in the playoffs that came from the end zone cam the director didn't know that aikman was going to throw a dime 50 yards downfield you know on a on a deep ball to uh, harper and when they took it from that angle it was awesome um because you got to see it you know from the start of the play it's all 22 basically um you know a couple other quick points on 96 nfl versus today um You know, the NFL was just entering the salary cap free agency era. This was only the third year of the cap. It was the fourth year of free agency. Teams hadn't really figured out. They were still kind of using the old model of we do what we do. And, um, you know, we're going to bring players in here that are great players for other teams. And hopefully they can do what they do. Now, I think a lot of free agency dating, so to speak, is will this guy fit our scheme? And I think that lends itself to the, preci- the precision that you said was lacking in 96, if that makes sense.
1: I agree. Um, I got one question for you. <laughs> you,
0: had, you you really had to gulp and think about it. Did you hold back a
1: sneeze? Yeah. yeah. No, I had you unmute. Um, Oh, that's nice. It's always good. My last question I have for you. Do you think football in general was better in 96, 97, 98 than what we've seen over the last three years in the NFL? Yes. Why?
0: Because I think the game then was a, was Frankenstein. It had a lot of the great parts of the eighties, but you did have some player movement. And I know fans like you really like the player movement a lot. You like seeing teams, you know, you like trades and, and, uh, you like seeing players change teams. And now you had that but you hadn't lost a lot of the continuity in the old style of football from the eighties. That was really great. Also, uh, the game is more balanced in 96. It's a run and pass game. You're going to have quarterbacks throw for 350 yards, but you're also going to have running backs run for 150 yards. Often you would have 4,000 yard passers, but you also had a lot of 1500 yard rushers. Now, I mean, does anyone even care who led the NFL in rushing last year? No. Does anyone even know? Do you know who led the NFL in rushing last year?
1: Yeah. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, yes.
0: Yeah. Do you think people care about that anymore? I don't at all.
1: No, I I don't don't think think they do. I think they care about fantasy rankings, right? Yeah, the
0: fantasy rankings, but... um, Today's game, I think, is a little too pass happy. It makes it too hard for the defense, the defense, uh, the the rules with the quarterbacks. It makes it really, really difficult. Uh, back in the 90s, um, you were able to play defense. But also one other thing. I think a lot of the precision in the game today is really good. Um, the, the zone coverages work a lot of the times. And a lot of it's bend but don't break. But yes. if you're looking for like big plays, and I'm talking about on both sides of the ball, there was more of that in more of the wild days of playing man-to-man and one-on-one kind of situations because if you got beat, the guy was wide open. But that also meant that quarterbacks were more willing to throw the ball down the field. As we said already, you didn't see a bunch of bubble screens. Yep. So long touchdown passes... And interceptions may not be, you know, like interceptions aren't great for passer rating, but is football more exciting to watch when a guy is just winging it out there and he throws, you know, uh, you know, five touchdowns and four interceptions, or is it more exciting to watch when a guy has a perfect passer rating because he completed, (laughs) you know,
1: a million bubble passes
0: behind the line of scrimmage?
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I, the the one thing that I will say is I do think the games felt bigger and more important. And it could be just because I was watching the Cowboys who were coming off three super Bowls, And it could be because I'm watching it with big time broadcasters, but it did feel more important. And I don't know how the NFL does that. And it's hard to go back when you, I and mean, when you add the extra game, they, these games are literally less important than ever. Right. Because yes, it's just math. Right. Um, but no, I've had a, I've had a lot of fun watching these games. It's been it's been really enjoyable.
0: Well, I think you touched on um, something there that we've talked about on the podcast before, which we're you know the league is oversaturated right now. And if there's a game on Thursday night and Sunday night and Monday night, and there's going to be what double triple headers on Monday night, and yes. if we get the Amazon yeah. Prime Black Friday game and all this stuff, it does lessen. You've already mentioned the 17 games, which they could go to 18 games. We have seven teams make the playoffs now. Um, It does lessen it. Uh, Also bear in mind, we have two more teams now than we had in 1996 as well. So I think all of that goes to what you're feeling, that the game was a little bit um, bigger back then. It doesn't mean that everything was better uh, about pro football back then. And, you know, the fact that the players were bigger and stuff, some of that was, you know, probably Royd use, because honestly, in, in the late 80s, they, they tried to get rid of roids in the game. It was a player-led movement, uh, per my understanding, partially from the NFLPA. So they, the NFL came out with some really stringent rules, but I think by the mid-90s, you had ways of circumventing those rules because uh, of labs, not Balco, but that kind of thing. Guys had ways to figure out how to to get past it. And it was much more important back in that era, Marcus, to be big Now it's all about speed.
1: It's all about quickness and speed, right? You gotta be quick. Yep.
0: Right. Which is also remarkable. What you told me about Dion playing, how many plays did he play against 115
1: snaps in week one? (laughs) Absolutely incredible.
0: Yeah. Guys, you see a lot more substitution and you, you know, running backs don't get as many carries because they want them to be quick and fast when they are playing. And that means they can't be on the field all the time. In 1996, guys were playing more plays on average per starter. Um and you just don't see that as much anymore. Oh. So it's another key difference, but look, there's great things about both both eras. I'd like to Frankenstein them uh, if yeah. I could, but
1: uh maybe yeah, that'll be the 2022 cool. season. We'll see.
0: Let me just say to everybody real quick and I'm going to give you the final thought. If you want to watch a game from 96 specifically to kind of jump in on this um, probably the best game of the year that year was a playoff game. It was Jacksonville Broncos. The Broncos were the number one seed. Everyone thought this was John Elway's last chance. They had no idea what was going to happen the next two years to make the Super Bowl. and the little upstart Jags in their second year go into mile high. It was a great, great game. I'm sure that one's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be, didn't you say every game from like yes. 96 is yep. yeah, that would be one I would recommend that was non Cowboys. If you're going to watch a Cowboys game from 96, um, I don't know. A lot of them are really ugly. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a really good one. The,
1: the 49er Cowboy game 49er. on Sunday was a good one. That was, a good, that was an overtime game. That was fun. Yep,
0: yeah, yep. Yeah. That's when the mayor criticized Elvis Gerbach after that game. Uh, that was a big deal at the time. And I should say the Dallas-Miami game was a big deal at the time. Jimmy Johnson was the coach of Miami. This was his first year back in coaching. It was, it was kind of the revenge game, and
1: Dallas won. There you go. Um, yeah, you
0: loved it. But uh, final thought.
1: We're just never going to see anybody like Dion again. And I, I actually talked to you about this a couple different times, but I'm just so impressed by Dion's season where it, it wasn't his best cornerback season, but for you to come in and be the number one receiver on the team for the first five weeks of the season – having to go against the top cornerbacks in the NFL. I know he wasn't super effective, but he's still playing on special teams. He's still playing every defensive snap. Uh, I just watched a game where he caught all six of his targets for 60 yards. Um, It's just we're never going to see a player like that. They they Cowboys were running fades for him in the red zone. They were running deep shots early in games and then turning around and having him cover the number one receiver on the next team. In that Dolphins game, I charted it. Caught all six passes, had a reverse behind the line of scrimmage, had two punt returns, had a forced fumble, had three tackles, and did not allow a single reception against the Dolphins. You're just never going to see that again. That's phenomenal.
0: And and I think that's a great – that's a case in point for anyone. If there's anyone listening, it's like, yeah, football wasn't good back then. Those guys couldn't – they weren't great athletes. Dion would dominate today. <laughs>
1: Sorry. Uh, and I should also mention – this, this game against Miami that I'm talking about, it's in Miami and the heat index is over a hundred and you're seeing guys come in and off the, you know, on and off the field and they're just dying because it's so hot. And yet there's Dion on the field, every snap, basically it's, it's pretty incredible to watch.
0: Yeah, man. Um, Also really great player back then. Darren Woodson was really getting his career going. I think he had a, big touchdown called back in that Miami game uh, or a fumble return um, going off memory here. But uh, yeah, man, I, you know, I, I give Dion all the respect in the world for what he did that year. Uh, it, it's absolutely remarkable. Um, and so again, when, when people say, yeah, those guys couldn't play or, or, you know, they're not as good as athletes today. Dion would dominate, but in a different way teams yep. now would just be like, okay, whatever. He's just one great corner. Deion would probably give up zero catches. But there'd be four four wide receivers out there, and they would just keep attacking your third and fourth corner today.
1: Yeah. Still a good player
0: though. Oh, yeah. And he'd be great on uh, the punt return game for sure sure today. So, uh, hey, good stuff, man. And uh, like I said, if you want to watch some 96 NFL, I recommend Jags. Broncos, if you don't want to watch that one, I think 49ers Packers Monday night. Uh is that's another uh non-Cowboys uh game. I think the Colts Cowboys game was really good though, wasn't it? If you did want to watch a Cowboys game, yeah, that lose. was a very good game.
1: Start to finish. Yeah, yep.
0: Super close. And you could see Jim Harbaugh playing quarterback, uh played at a pretty high level for the Colts, uh, Jim Harbaugh. But uh, that's it for us today. We will see you on uh Tuesday. A let's see, we're gonna have brinks then. Do we know what we're doing Tuesday yet? No, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. All right. So until then, he is at Marcus underscore Mosher. He hosts Locked On Cowboys with Landon McCool, where they talk about great sandwiches, pastrami and such. Uh, he also covers the Raiders for USA Today. I am at Harrison NFL on YouTube. We really appreciate you guys and hope you have a great weekend. Take care, everybody.